Shalom and welcome to the Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. The modern issue that I want to have meet Judaism in this lecture is the issue of exhaustion. One of the sayings of Tony Robbins and his colleagues of motivational speakers, which most intrigues and then alienate people like you and I, is the saying, have a dream that makes you want to get up in the morning. Wow, just the sound of it, the thought of it, and then to even dare to feel it is so intriguing and so attractive. However, exhaustion has seemed to so deeply set into us once we pass the age of 30, after which every year brings deeper exhaustion and every decade deeper fatigue. Why is it so? Yes, the younger generations, as that of my children, growing up with idols like Larry Page, Sergey Brin, the founders of Google, and Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, living life in worn jeans and a t-shirt with endless possibilities, it seems easier to embrace the dream that makes you want to get up in the morning. However, for my generation, who wears a suit and tie to work, and who live with constant stress, anxieties, and a thick ceiling over our heads, eventually this slogan alienates us and just breeds within us deeper resentment and exhaustion, causing waking up in the morning to get just a bit more difficult every day. The question that we will explore through the mystical teachings of Judaism is, why is it so for my generation? And the solution we will explore through the lens of Jewish mysticism is how to reorganize the seats on our generational bus and to return to a vibrant life gifted with the priceless experience available to precisely my generation and older. So, my fellow friends and older, dust off those bell-bottoms and flares and let's make life great again. The reason for our daily exhaustion and our fatigue of life is because we aren't eating right, at least not on a mystical level. The answer to exhaustion and fatigue is rejuvenation, and rejuvenation comes from replenishing our energy supply. As a matter of fact, as life goes on, replenishment isn't enough to overcome our exhaustion of life's grind and our war fatigue of life's stress and anxieties. What is actually needed is an unprecedented lavish supplement of nourishment, unprecedented in quantity and in quality. Otherwise, exhaustion and fatigue is bound to overcome even our well-nourished souls and its energies. This week's Torah portion tells us of how three angels disguised as humans visited Abraham so that Abraham can fulfill his yearning for the mitzvah of taking in guests and feeding them. The verse describes the meal that Abraham had prepared for them and then states, and I quote, and he was standing over them under the tree and they ate. Great mystical teachings are derived from this verse. A. The angels could not have eaten from this physical meal were it not for Abraham empowering them to do so by, and he was standing over them, which was the reason why the angels were capable of, and they ate. B. 
the angels recede from this eating unprecedented benefit of nourishment. To understand these two concepts, Kabbalah and Hasidus take us to a different experience of eating expressed in the Torah, that of the service of sacrifices upon the altar in the Holy Temple. Concerning the eating of sacrifices, the verse in Leviticus states, and I quote, And if the eaten shall be eaten, upon which our sages extrapolate from the double wording of eating that, and I quote the teaching of our sages, of two eatings the verse is speaking of, the eating of the altar and the eating of the Kohen. Thus here too, we have a celestial eating, that of the altar, and a human eating, that of the Kohen. What is amazing is that the verse compares the two to be of equal spirituality. Even more amazing is that in speaking of a sinner bringing a sin offering for an atonement, our sages explain in the Talmud, the Kohen eats and the owners are forgiven, meaning that the atonement for the sinner is brought about by the human's eating and not by the altar's eating? This being so, even in the face of the mystical teaching that the reason why a sacrifice upon the altar can achieve atonement for a sinner is because the, and I'm going to quote the teaching of the sages, the secret of the sacrifice rises unto the secret of the infinite, end quote. Nevertheless, we are clearly seeing that the power of the human's eating is even greater than the secret of the altar's eating, which reaches into the secret of the infinite. This coincides with the story of our Torah portion, in which the celestial eating of the three angels had to be empowered by the human experience of eating, of Abraham standing over them, which brought to the angels an unprecedented power of nourishment for them. Thus we must now decipher the secret of the sacrifice which represents the celestial eating of angels which reaches into the secret of the infinite and the even greater secret of the human eating which represents the Kohen's eating that brings trans-Torah atonement upon a past action that the Torah declares as a sin. The first thing to understand is that the mystical food chain is the exact opposite of what it physically manifests itself as. Physically, the top of the food chain belongs to the greatest and the mightiest of the chain. However, spiritually speaking, the higher and the greater cannot feed off the lower and the lesser. Quite the contrary is true, that the lower and the lesser need to feed off the greater and the mightier. This is why the spiritual concept of eating is the concept of refinement and works in two opposite formats. A. From above to below. In this feeding, the light comes from above and the highest and purest form of the light nourishes the higher worlds. And what remains from that light then descends into the lower worlds. Here too, once again, the higher and purer levels of the light nourishes the lower worlds and what remains from that then descends into the finite worlds, and that remaining light is what nourishes the finite worlds. This represents the format of how we digest food, in which the best nutrients extracted from the food in our intestines are first brought to the vital life-sustaining organs of our body, 
after which the next lower level of nutrients is extracted from the food in our intestines and brought to the non-life-sustaining organs, and so on. B, the second format of feeding, is from below above. In this feeding, the refinement begins from below and ascends level upon level to the above. First, within the finite worlds of ours, we begin to elevate and refine the fallen sparks of the infinite tohu. We will explain what those fallen sparks are in a, in a few moments. The first state of refinement that we perform with proper intent, self-control of non-indulgence and usage for the service of God is how we refine and elevate the fallen sparks that exist within our physical objects of food, etc., that which we elevate and refine in our finite worlds is elevated into the lower worlds and becomes a source of nourishment to them. There too the fallen sparks are again refined and elevated into the higher worlds, and that becomes a source of nourishment for the higher worlds. This represents the way we refine fine metals. The first process of refinement produces a lower grade of fine metal, which then is refined again to produce a finer metal, which is then refined again to produce the finest and purest fine metal. The question that begs to be asked is, why two different forms of feeding? Why do we need the from above to below and the from below to above? The answer is that every creation has an external body and an internal soul, and both need to be fed. Even the light has an internal essence and an external ray. And even within the ray of light, there exists the internal revelation of self and the external expression unto others. Thus, within the food and within all creatures, spiritual and physical, there exists the external and the internal, and both need to be nourished in order to stay alive. Thus, the first feeding time is where the internal refinement process is used to feed the internal soul of each creature from the internal ray of light. However, then there needs to be the second feeding time in which the external layers of the ray of light is refined into digestible nourishment for the external bodies of all creatures of creation. Don't worry if it sounds mystical, this will become so clear in this lecture. Now we can understand the secret of the sacrifice. We explained that the secret of the sacrifice reaches up into the secret of the infinite. Let us see how this works. First, we will need to explain the inner transistor of creation, which transforms the ray of infinite light into digestible finite sustenance for the finite worlds. This is actually the secret of God's ineffable tetragrammaton, which manifests itself into the ten emanations. The infinite ray of light shines into the ineffable tetragrammaton, and through the four letters of the tetragrammaton, God's name, the infinite light makes itself, manifests itself into the four different categories of the ten emanations. We are going to keep this simple. The tenth emanation is kingship, which is also known as the feminine mystique, which is the emanation that descends and becomes the internal soul to all of the nations, a king upon nations, i.e. creations of the finite worlds. The, this emanation of kingship exists in the highest 
of the finite worlds and is spread from the small faces emanations, which are also known as the six male emotions, which rest in the lower level of the lower worlds. This is also, I'm sorry, which rests in the lowest level of the higher worlds. This is also the mystical secret behind the holy ark in the holy of holies of the holy temple that had on it, let me quote to you the verse in Exodus, and make one cherub from the one end and the other cherub from the other end. The mystically, this mystically means that on one end there is the kingship and on the other end there is the small faces and their consummation is how the one end, kingship at the top end of the finite worlds, is receiving its nourishment from the other end, small faces, at the bottom of the infinite worlds. In the actual teaching, we refer to the kingship cherub as the top of creation, and the small faces cherub as the end of the creator. Where the kingship cherub connects with the small faces cherub is where we reached unto the secret of the infinite. Note, these are the two letters of the ineffable tetragrammaton, the letters Vav and He, which is the letter Vav, the third letter, is the small faces cherub, and the last letter, the fourth, the final letter, He, is the kingship cherub. The first two letters are not necessary to explain for our lecture, so we won't explain them here. Now let us explore the secret of the sacrifice. The secret of the sacrifice goes back to understanding the first fundament of the food chain according to Kabbalah and Hasidus. If the lower must nourish from the higher and not the reverse, then why do humans eat and receive nourishment from the animal? Aren't the humans higher than the animal? The answer is that before the orderly finite world of Tikkun, there was the chaotic infinite world of Tohu. The chaos and infiniteness of the quality and quantity of the light in Tohu caused the vessels of Tohu to shatter. The vessels couldn't maintain the light. And with this, the sparks of Tohu fell into the world of Tikkun. This is what the fallen sparks are all about. Now the human is the creation of Tikkun, which is why the human is so orderly, standing upright and with finite balanced energies. It is in the animal kingdom where the chaotic infinite sparks of Tohu fell, which is why the emotions and energies of the animal are so superior to the humans. This is why the food chain has the lower finite human receiving his nourishment from the higher infinite animal. Now we can understand the secret of the sacrifice. A sacrifice is where the animal of Tohu is placed upon the altar of kingship. A person bringing of his possessions, his animal, to the altar for a sacrifice is a process of refinement of intention. The Hebrew word for sacrifice is karban, which comes from the word karov, which means close. A person brings a sacrifice before God with the intention to become close to God by acknowledging God with prayer and with gratitude, seeking atonement for his sin that separated him from God. The sacrifice process refines and elevates the fallen spark within the animal, connecting it to its original spiritual source, which is the face of the ox upon the chariot of God as described in the prophetic vision of Ezekiel. 
from the face of the ox, the fallen spark of the infinite tohu is then refined and elevated to the face of the lion, which represents the cherub of kingship at the end of creation, meaning the top level of creation. This then brings forth the feminine waters of kingship, which in turn brings forth the masculine waters of the small faces of the other end, which is the lowest of the infinite creator. The Torah is defined as the spiritual human of Tikkun, in which its orderliness defines definite good and definite evil, in which sin is bad and unforgivable. However, then comes along the infinite animal spark of Tohu, which in turn has the power to fill the cavity created by our sin and brings forth atonement. This power of the secret of the sacrifice, which brings forth the arousing feminine waters of kingship, in turn reaches unto the secret of the infinite, drawing forth the infinite powers of the masculine waters of the small faces. This is the power of atonement of a sacrifice as it becomes the food of the altar, kingship. New, if this is the eating of the altar, then how can the eating of the Kohen, the human, be greater? The fact that the cherub of the small faces is an end and that it is situated within the holy temple of Tikkun means that it is ultimately a part of the Tikkun system in that it is the food and nourishment of Tikkun. This means that its concept of nourishment is to rejuvenate and replenish the finite Tikkun with finite Tikkun energies. Now, at the onset of this lecture, I told you that and I'll quote myself, as life goes on, replenishment isn't enough to overcome our exhaustion of life's grind and our war fatigue of life's stress and anxieties. What is actually needed is an unprecedented lavish supplement of nourishment, unprecedented in quantity and quality. Otherwise, exhaustion and fatigue is bound to overcome even our well-nourished souls uh, and its energies. Therefore, we see that the secret of the sacrifice, which is where the end of the holy faces feeds and rejuvenates and replenishes the finite Tikkun energies, isn't enough. This is why the secret of the sacrifice, which reaches unto the secret of the infinite, is not enough. And we need the secret of the human's eating. The reason why Abram had to stand over the angels as they ate is because angels are the face of the ox and the face of the lion, etc. And the angels can only eat of the food of replenishment and rejuvenation. Angels on their own cannot eat from the unprecedented newness of the essence life. For an angel to eat from this newness of essence light would cause a total disintegration of the angel as it would shatter from total overload. As spiritual as the angel is, it has its boundaries of finite beingness. The angel's finite capacity is limited to the ray of light of replenishment and rejuvenation. The angel cannot digest the essence light of true infiniteness. Thus, the question is begging to be asked. That if the angel cannot digest the essence light of newness, then how would a human be able to? The answer is that an angel is a creation, while in 
Kabbalah and Hasidus. The godly soul of a Jew is defined as, and I'm going to quote this, a piece of creator became creation. End quote. Wow. The depths of this revelation of what the godly soul is, is beyond awesome. Let us repeat it again. The godly soul is a piece of creator becoming creation. This is why the human can digest the essence light of newness. I would take this one step further and now explain that the reason why replenishment and rejuvenation of the finite energies isn't enough for the human is precisely because his godly soul is a piece of creator becoming creation. Thus the only form of eating that will satisfy the human is the essence light of newness. Thus the human cannot be nourished from the cherub on the end of the infinite small faces within the holy temple of Tikkun. Rather, the atonement of the godly soul, the eating of the human, and the totality of nourishment for the human comes from the essence light of newness, which transforms the human experience from the finite exhausted fatigue of life to the essence life of our Creator. In closing, Rabbi Shmuel of Lubavitch said, and I want to quote him, To not die is not called being alive. Let me say that again. To not die is not called being alive. Yet sadly, the existence of many is the existence of not dying. This is the source of our exhaustion and fatigue, making getting up in the morning harder with every passing day. The godly soul demands of us to be alive and not to only not be dead. And the only way the godly soul can experience being alive is by truly going all out, searching to illuminate himself and his environment with unprecedented essence light of newness. Let us think to ourselves for a moment. Why is the first response to doing something utterly amazing, no, I can't do that. Why isn't our response to doing something insanely amazing, yes, let's do this. The answer is because we are afraid and we would rather just replenish and rejuvenate our spent energies and experience rather than to rocket ourselves into an insanely amazing endeavor. This is why we live in exhaustion and fatigue. To feel alive, we must embrace the insanely amazing. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. The Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.